This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. At Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here. He's got his Ward Scott research team hat on. Compliments of a great fan. And uh, Ted's got a hat on, so if he had a hat on, I figured I'd better put a hat on, too. And uh, I've been meaning to wear this for quite some time. I guess y'all can see it. It's uh, the Ward Scott research team. So, um, and it's got the Warthog symbol on there. How about that? How about that, fans? Well, here we are. We're um, back with a great Wednesday with our great friend, Ted Yoho, whom I've always enjoyed speaking with uh, about anything that's on his mind because he's got a wealth of experience about uh, the belly of the beast, as I call it. And uh, probably you know it as DC. And some people know it as a deep state. And some people wonder what it's all about when a guy like Biden, who's never had a business, can end up owning five or six houses. How in the world did that happen? Huh? But we're in the Mellon Law Studio, of course, great supporter of ours. And we're protected by a great friend, Pastori and Randy Elrad over at Crime Prevention and all our other sponsors. And uh, we actually had a person call up yesterday and want a sponsor. We're going to try to work that out. And so we need all the help we can get in bringing you the stories that hopefully will help you be better informed in the community, both locally and at large. And I really appreciate Ted pitching in on that and sharing his expertise every Wednesday. So uh, we're going to have a great show for you today. Um, we uh, are looking at the bottom of the hour. I'll give you the weather. We've got a little storm stuff coming through. I think here in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, we may miss the worst of it. But it's one of those treacherous uh, events that comes across with a lot of tornadoes. And uh, we'll probably cover that at the half of the hour for you, and hopefully we don't get that here. But our internet's up and running, and um, you know we learned a couple of weeks ago. I can't lost time. Maybe it's two weeks. Maybe it's one week ago, Ted. I can't remember. But how dependent we all are on this mysterious thing known as the internet. When you stop to think about it, it's governing everything, even admission to the Florida sports. We now go into the football field, Ted, as you probably know, uh, with a ticket on the phone which presupposes, A, everybody has a phone, and B, everybody's wired into the internet. So I've often wondered what if the internet went down and the ticket holders couldn't get in. My golly, and it's not too far-fetched. We learned later that the internet was down from Georgia to Florida because somebody cut a cable. Well, you know, that's not too far-fetched. People get out and do things, and all of a sudden they run across something. So here we are, we're alive and well today. Ted, welcome to the show. Uh, you, uh, uh, I like your hats. So I've got my hat, and, uh, and I've been meaning to wear it for a while. Uh, and uh, I sent you an article, and we were talking about it, uh, students and fans, before we went on the air. Uh, it looked like McCarthy kind of bowed up, and I was all for him, Ted. He faced down a nasty reporter with a liberal agenda and, tried, and uh, said, listen, I'm going to kick pencil neck off that dadgum committee. And he should have never been, you know, let's talk about pencil neck for a minute, Adam Schiff. You know, Rush Limbaugh couldn't stand that guy. I can't stand the guy. He's a card-carrying liar. It's provable. He's got the weirdest eyes I've ever seen. So what's your take? Did you know the man? (laughs) You're on mute, Ted. (laughs) That's why they call him Shifty Schiff, you know, because the way he always looked. And, uh, you know, I think – I'm, number one, I'm impressed that Kevin carried through with that. I hope he stays on that because he's going to get blowback from Pelosi and everybody else. And, of course, the left-wing media um, is going to come after him really hard. Um, but when you look at the people he's taken off, you've got Eric Swalwell, who is on the Intelligence Committee. So you have to have a high-level clearance to be on that. He has an affair with Fang Fang, a known Chinese spy. That relationship right there disqualifies him to have that security clearance. So he's out of here. Doesn't need to come back. Uh, Adam Schiff, he's the one that promoted the Russia Gate 
and lie to the American people for three and a half years. Think about when he had um, the uh, whistleblower and he said on national TV, we have irrefutable evidence that Trump colluded with Russians. Well, three and a half years later with the Mueller investigation, there was no proof. There was no recanting of that from um, Adam Schiff. He's out of here. He doesn't need to be on it. Somebody that'll deceive this nation. And to me, it's a treasonous act the way they did this for that long. And he never gets held accountable for that. He doesn't deserve to be on the Intelligence Committee because he has a different agenda. And that goes back to the Obama agenda of abomination of this uh, the abomination of this nation of fundamentally transforming it. And so he's out of here, too, and uh, should never be back on that committee. And then you think of and, and, um, uh, Akeem Jeffries, the minority leader in the House, saying how this is unprecedented. It has never happened. That's not true. Nancy Pelosi was a heavy handed speaker. When you look at the things she did, um, she wouldn't let uh, the people that we wanted on the committees on the January 6th committee refuse to have them. And um, I, I can tell you all kinds of stories. You know, when you're in the majority, you give space to the minority to have meetings, right? Um, it's just customary. It's something that's always happened. So when we're in the minority, Nancy Pelosi wouldn't let us have office spaces to have meetings with our delegation, like for the Florida delegation lunch. She wouldn't let, she wouldn't allow that. I mean, that's the kind of pettiness that she played. So it's kind of a tit for tat. And uh, I think it's going to escalate, you know, next time they get in, that'll be worse. And so we'll see where this goes, but I'm that glad Kevin did what he did. Worst thing I saw that Pelosi do publicly was tear up the state of the union me message and behind the president. I, I, you know, I don't care who you are. It's the president, even if he's a, um, you know, even by, I don't care. You don't disrespect that president while the president is speaking uh, and giving the State of the Union. She did that. I thought that was the cheapest, uh, most lowborn. That's a term you don't hear much anymore, but it was, used to be heard all the time when we had a kind of an aristocratic society that so-and-so was lowborn. And, and that <laughs> I'm serious. I've heard that many a time. You know, well, he's just lowborn. And, you know, it could apply to white people. You don't, it's not racist, you know. It was, it was, it was scallywag people, you know. Um, you were slow born. Tracks. They came from across the track. Yeah, carpet baggers or scallywaggers or um, they all they, they, in the in the in the Faulkner writing. Of course, it's um, um, it's all laid out really really well. It's uh, um, um, the Snopeses, and he deliberately gave the, the low born families in the South that took over the South after the aristocratic people were eliminated. Uh, he named them Snopeses because he wanted to get that. Snope sound in there of evil and hissing noise. That, uh, oh, is that right? Yeah, that's why he named them the Snopeses. And uh, well, I knew you're a literary type of guy, so appreciate the the, the lesson there in uh, literature. Well, the, the upper crust in the Sound of the Fury, for example, lays it out well. Were the Compsons, and you can hear the difference in the connotations. Compsons were carrying a little bit more of a of a, a statesman-like name. You can imagine that attached to- A little but bit more status, huh? A little more, well, a little more statesman. Uh, uh, Senator Compson would be ringing better than Senator Snopes, right? And, and, and this is what makes me think of Schiff. I almost <laughs> substitute the T in there instead of the F, okay? And uh, he, his name uh, works perfectly into the evil that he is, yeah. Well, and, and again, he's very nefarious in what he wants to do. And he's part of that cabal that's changing this country right in front of us. And it's it's good that Kevin did that. I was surprised that he carried through with that. And this is where I think we need to watch if Kevin McCarthy will stick to his guns. And I think a lot of that came from the wrangling with the Freedom Caucus in that humiliating fight for him that he eventually won um, going against what I wanted. But you know what? Congress has got to move on. So now if they can hold them accountable and there's a list of the things that um, the concessions that were made and we should post those or you should post those. Um, I don't want to tell you how to do your show, but you should post those and let's hold them accountable. And if members of Congress in different districts that you um, broadcast to, if their members are not holding Kevin McCarthy accountable, like the 72 hour rule, uh, single item issues on bills. If they're not holding him accountable to that, 
that needs to be remembered in the next election when they when their hearing gets a little bit better and their fundraising goes up and they want everybody to send them five dollars or whatever it is you know let's remember to remind these people that they didn't live up to their promise can you provide me that list you have i can get it to you i surely can you get it to me we'll post it on ward's hot bulletin board and the public can access it i'm going to try to pull it up while you're talking okay uh, well, in case you're just tuning in, we're talking with our good friend, Ted Yoho, who was in the House of Representatives for eight years and is the only fellow I know term limited himself and didn't come out rich. I, uh, you should have taken the tack that Biden took, Ted. You should have stayed there for 50 years and come out, you know, never have a job, uh, never become a, a veterinarian, uh, just sit up there and uh, for 50 years and come away with five houses, Okay. <laughs> I think he's got five, and they're still finding them. They're still finding the houses. Probably <laughs> and looking papers. for the documents, and looking for the documents, they're stumbling <laughs> across the houses. <laughs> yeah, they'll find those papers in there. Yeah. Um, anyways, it was funny. <laughs> I was at a, a a political event last night endorsing a candidate, and uh, we started talking about Biden. Here's a guy, you know, we're talking about politicians versus statesmen, and politicians worry about their. Their, their whole concern is their next election they want to win. Um, whereas the statesmen, they worry about the next generations. But Biden had been in there for 47 years when he was running for president. All right, 47 years. And he has the audacity to say, our school system is a wreck. We're going behind in this and neat, nothing's been done about this. And I'm like, well, hey there, big guy. You've been there for 47 years and you're just noticing this. And, um, you know, it's just a typical politician BS, sophistry. Uh, <laughs> sophistry, yeah, you like that word. They throw out there and make it sound like we're fighting hard for you or people saying, we're going to go to the border and have hearings. And I don't want to hear it. I want it, I want it secure. Well, let's talk about your successor. Cat uh, Kamek's been appointed to a committee. Uh, you know about that committee that she's been appointed to? It's something... Um, I can pull it up here in case you haven't seen it. Um, it's, it's on policing the government. Some, is there a committee that does that? Um, yeah, they're going to um, look at the things that the government's supposed to be doing that they're not doing. I don't know a lot about that. Is um, it a new committee? I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to find out. Okay. I, I, can't, I can't respond to that. Maybe at the break, I'll research it and let you know. Okay. Well, anyway, it's supposed to go in and take a look. And, you know, my concern is once you take a look, what are you going to do with it? You know, I mean, it's back to the same thing. There's yeah. got to be some action taken after these investigations. But um, I mean, everything but McCarthy even putting down the nasty little snide remarks of the reporter, trying to compare uh, uh, Schiff of all things to um, um, I don't, Kat, what's his name? I haven't even focused on the guy that has got the checkered pass. Cat, Cat, Castro, what is his name? Uh, the one that uh, lied and everything is... Re oh, Santos. Santos, Santos, yeah. I call him Castro. What the heck? Tell me about that dude, man. You know, I don't know anything about him. He, um, I, I have not met him. Don't really care to because it's not somebody I want to want to work with. Um, the Republicans will work with him because they want a, a Republican vote. But again... When we hire people to represent us, when I got hired, you work on integrity and character, you know, and you do your best. Do you hit it all the time? Well, you sure hope you can. Um, but when you have somebody that starts off on a false pretense and just has lied pretty much about everything in his background, that person has no integrity and no character. So when somebody puts ambition over integrity and character, that's somebody that you shouldn't be around or you don't want representing you. Um, um, but again, I think that should fall back to the, uh, constituents in his district. And there's talk that they're going to do a recall and get him to step down. And I think that would be the best thing for their district, number one, but it would also be a good thing for our Congress because it shows that we, the people are actually holding our people accountable. And what better way to do it than start right at the beginning of a guy like this's career and just say, you're out of here. We don't want you. Go away. And that sends a signal to the next people that are going to do that. 
unfortunately, that could be applied to Biden, too, and, you know, probably a lot of the other people up there. Oh, no question. Also, doesn't it leave the numbers uh, in, in a little more closely, uh, uh, you know, thinner? Do, if this yeah. guy, Are we going to get a Republican but, back in his seat is what I guess I'm talking about. It would be, and that's probably why Kevin's not pushing this, uh, you know, but again, do what's right. Don't do what's, you know, politically, you know, smart on stuff like that, because I think if you operate on principles and you do what's right, you know, um, you send a signal that we're going to be different. And, um, you know, if, if he's playing politics in this, well, if we get him out, we're going to lose a vote and the Democrats could concede. He says, I'm governing Florida. Um, right. But I do think he's caused other Republican governors to sort of shape up. And I want to look at the Republican governor of Virginia and yeah. what, what's your comments about him? Because I, I watched an interview of him and he had a little more starch in his shirt, if you will. He was going to bow up on this um, a thing of um, not recognizing the merit scholars in the high schools and the whole woke agenda. And uh, then they kept asking him. Are you going to, was, this was on the Neil whatever show on Fox, they said, are you going to run for, they kept trying to get him to say he was going to run for president. Well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't bite on that. Um, right. Do you know the gentleman, A and B, what's your opinion of what's going on there? I like what I've seen, what he's done. He was a, a successful business person. Um, and he has, he has talked, talked strong um, about, those kind of things. And when you think about what they did up there, and it just not in Virginia, it happens all over the nation where they're not going to advance somebody because of their ethnicity, because it's going to look bad on the other ethnicities that don't get advanced. So it looks like a racial disparity. But, you know, our country has always rewarded work. And we're in this wokeness now. And yeah, I mean, I still remember Kamala Harris saying, that we haven't done enough. We have to create equity. You know, they want equal outcome for people. Well, by God, you can get equal outcome if you put in equal effort. You know, if, if you learn how to play a Stradivarius violin and you do it very well, I can learn to do that. It may take me harder and I have to work harder to do that, but I still have that opportunity. And that's what America is, opportunity. And so with Youngkin going after this, uh, maybe he has been emboldened by uh, Ron DeSantis. And, you know, I, I think when you see one stand up and you know how success breeds success. Somebody says, man, I like what he's doing. I'm going to start doing it because I want that for my state. You know, those that's again, that's merit based instead of um, wokeism based, you know, that we want to treat everybody equal. You know, you think about how back 15, 20 years ago, everybody started getting a trophy. You know, everybody gets a trophy. Nobody gets an F. Nobody gets a D anymore. And then they started watering that down so that there's no incentive to achieve. And that's really what the leftist agenda is as part of theirs, because that brings everybody equal, which they'll never be equal. And, um, you know, it just it's the wrong way to go. So I, I, I applaud him for doing what he's doing. And I hope they keep doing that. I found those uh, those concessions that the Freedom Caucus forced on McCarthy, and I sent them to you. Okay, good. Okay. We'll take a look at them, post them on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board, and maybe at the yep. break I'll pull them up and we can talk about them. Yeah, do that. They're real simple. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I have a feeling that the Freedom Caucus has been more successful influencing the tone and tenor and conversation of the country in a positive way than AOC's squad did. Yeah. You know, it's almost you don't see squad is about negativity. Yeah, you don't hear as much about her or her agendas with Talib and Omar. Um, and I don't know, that's kind of scary because it's like they've gone silent, like they're really working yeah. uh, to do something nefarious. Um, but the Freedom Caucus, again, I talked about this last night when I had my, my time up there and we ran against John Boehner, I voted against him, ran against him. It was before the Tea or the, the Freedom Caucus came out. Um, I was on um, um, Lou Dobbs, and he was kind of cajoling me and saying that the Republican Party's after you. They don't like you. They don't want you in Congress. I says, "Yeah, I hear that all the time." He goes, "He goes, don't you see that as a form of bullying?" And I said, 
I said, Lou, I got four older brothers and I said, I know what bullying is. <laughs> And he got real stern and he goes, Congressman, you're not taking me serious. They're <laughs> they want you in there. And I says, well, you know what, by God, if, if, if standing up for the Constitution, the flag, being a Christian, being part of the Tea Party movement and loving this country, if they're against that, bring it on. Yeah. And, and so moving fast forward to the House Freedom Caucus, these are the guys that were standing. These are the people, there are women in there too, standing up or what this country is founding on, the founding principles, the core values, our constitutional principles, and just say, I'll be damned if I'm going to do this stuff the way you guys are. We're going to hold you accountable. And I think the American people under, you know, under all the rhetoric, they're saying, you know what, I'm glad somebody's doing that. Well, I think when they started messing with uh, the kids and denying yeah. them their rightful uh, reward for hard work, they really touched a hot button. And I've been I've been very interested in Virginia because Virginia was, of course, Robert E. Lee. It was the Virginia Military Institute, uh, of course, the Citadels in South Carolina. But, um, you know, I went to military school. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson, Monticello, you know, and to see it. One of the things I was really harking back to this moment with me, Ted, when um, there was this propaganda, I really thought of it as, when they had the parade in Charlottesville, I believe, and Trump said there were good people there. Boy, they blasted him for that. Oh, yeah. That was a setup. They had set up a fight so that they could then publicize it as started by the law-abiding paraders. Yeah, or the and, Proud Boys and, they wanted to throw in there. And that's in Virginia. And I thought, uh-oh. And you start taking the monuments down and you start trying to tinker with the nation's past and get to wokeism. And I thought, man, if they ever going to get, this is, a, this is a litmus test. So I'm kind of glad to see this young can come along. And I think it's fortuitous that this merit of all things in, in the school system, uh, an issue comes up that the governor has to get involved with because our governor is so thoroughly involved with it. Right. And and um, that, that's real influence. I, I, I guess now maybe we could add Texas. Of course, we have Texas, so to speak, with us. Maybe we can add Virginia uh, to Texas and Florida. I don't know if you see any other possibilities out there for lining up. Some other, con uh, other country. There's some other states with strong um, uh, leaders. Uh, you look at I think it's Wyoming where Greg Gianforte is. He's the one that when he ran for Congress, he uh, body slammed the, the reporter. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice guy. I mean, really nice. And he was a, a, a software designer and got, it became very successful. And uh, but he is just real matter of fact. I liked him. And there's there's several other. I think Kansas has got one and uh, a couple other states has, have got one. But the thing is, you know, when you're in competition and you probably saw this when you're a professor. You're teaching something, and if it's good, that chatter goes out, and maybe one of the other professors like, well, he's getting all this recognition. I'm going to start doing that. And so it starts at competitiveness, and I know that happens in, as veterinarians. We did that as parents, you know, you know, your mom versus your dad. Well, mom did this, so I'm going to do this, you know. And, you know, it's just human nature, I think. And, uh, you know, I applaud them. You know, if they're doing it for the right reason, and right outcomes for this nation or the states and then the nation. Absolutely. Let's cheer them on. Well, I think I found in following up on what you're talking about, imitation was the uh, highest form of flattery. Right. <clears throat> I would develop a teaching technique. The next thing I knew, there'd be some guys down there wanting to know how they could implement it. Now, not all of them came because there's some that would be just completely at the opposite end of the political spectrum, but it wasn't about politics, it was about getting the, students involved. So I'd, right. I'd, you know, I'd develop a technique, for example, I actually took it to the state competition one time. Um, and, and I found that those professors who came were the really good ones. They were yeah. always eager. Here's the thing I learned about teaching, Ted. If you're not learning while you're teaching, then your students can't learn either. Because, right. you, you know, your, your students basically are getting the froth off your learning. Um, and just like this show, if I come to this show unprepared, 
I don't research. I don't know what I'm talking about. Basically, I'm going to tell you a secret. Before I go hot on this mic, I've been up for two hours researching. Yeah, I bet you have. been up for two hours. And I've been looking at all the stories. I read every single, I don't, I'm liberal, conservative. Every, I just, the more I have in my works consulted, the better I think my work cited is going to be because the work cited comes from the works consulted. What right. you do is you call from the works consultant, you over investigate with the works consulted, and then you decide which is the most appropriate to use and you throw out the others. And, but I've found you have to know about nine times as much as you're going to actually use to make that what you use relevant. You follow what I'm saying? No, um, I do. Yeah. Well, you can't stay static in a, in, a, in a river. You've got to be paddling. You've got to be moving upstream or you're going to go downstream. You know, if you just stay there and try to just paddle and, and stay afloat, you're moving downstream. So you've always got to be progressing. Um, that was a lesson I learned early on in life, and it seemed to have done me well. Well, you just take the example we were sharing, I was sharing with you, and we'll share a little bit of it with the public right now. Of course, as you know, Ted is a uh, uh, trained as a veterinarian and, and practiced a long time. And, uh, you know, I have cows and I've shared with this with Ted. I'll share it with the students, my students here now, my listeners, having to put a cow down. And what right. I learned in the week we spent trying to save the cow about so many things, um, you know, some are mysterious. Like the other, the rest of the herd came to the fence and watched. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, you wondered, did they know, you know, are they sure. interested in what's going on? They came and watched as we worked with this cat. The birds came in, the birds had a place, you know, uh, for one thing, we would camp out and then we'd throw, made me throw a piece of bread up. By golly, how long do you think it took the crows to find that? It didn't take them any time at all. So and you're learning the things. Huh? And the buzzards will be circling and sitting on yeah, the fence. That's what you really want to watch, the garbage collectors. Um, uh, you know, and in a big pasture, as you know, big field, you just leave the cow there for the, for the vultures. Um, you know, if you have big, big, you know, range and you had a lot of cattle, wouldn't you? I mean, that's what you do. You wouldn't go out there and um, bury that cow. So right. I don't think, I, 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 correct me if I don't know what I'm talking about there, but um, my point is learning, learning, learning is an ongoing experience and it should be active every moment of your life. And that's what concerns me about the woke people. They don't want to listen to anything but their side of their ideology. They're not in the least bit interested in having a viable debate about it. And it's infected, if you will, the college campuses. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. And, and again, it goes back to, it's not like they try to prove their point. It's their agenda. They are fundamentally changing this country. And, you know, we had Ben Shapiro up there and he spoke to the Conservative Opportunity Society, which is a very conservative group, as you might expect. And he held the attention of more congressmen for about an hour and a half than I've ever seen. Uh, you know, normally a lot of those meetings, people come, they'll be for 15, 20 minutes and they leave, but they stayed. And I challenged him um, about the wokeism on, on campuses. Of course, it wasn't called wokeism then, but where, you know, a conservative student, they're in a political science class and they bring up something that's conservative the professor and the other students will just tear them up. And we see that today with a lot of these Christian students um, talking about uh, religious values in classes that's happened all around the country. The school itself has gone after them. The professors go after them. And I had students come to me saying, we're at, you know, whatever university, we're in political science and we've got a very liberal professor. And I said, well, are you challenging them? Oh, no, if we do that, you know, we're not going to pass them class and of course somewhere going to get bad grade and I asked Ben Shapiro he goes about challenging the professor and he says no he goes best thing to do is just keep your mouth shut pass the grade get a good degree go out and make a lot of money and prove them wrong and I'm like I disagree with that I think you need to challenge these people I think you you know uh, take the words of Maxine Waters which is somebody I really would never want to quote ah. but because you need to get in their face I think you need to challenge these people and then take it up to the administration. If not, it's not going to change. And, um, you know, I just, I, I disagree. 
and I think we're seeing that in um, this um, this merit problem they're having in uh, uh, Virginia, where everybody just kind of there's a lot of people that knew that was going on, where they're advancing people or not giving out the merit scholarships, and uh, it's just it's just unfathomable or unthinkable that educators would prevent somebody from getting an award for achievement because they're afraid it's going to hurt this person's feelings. You know, tell this other person to tighten up. You can get that too, you know, but that's, you can't use those words now. Well, you can, but. Well, I'll tell you a funny story before we take a break. I've told my students this story before, but they may have forgotten it or we may have a different group here today. But when I was uh, in, in, in kindergarten, okay, it was in the South. It was in the Bugaloosa, Louisiana. And my father was building a, a lock on the Pearl River. And so I was going to school in Bugaloosa. And uh, there was a lady who came out from the bread company. And I had already been eating bread with my buddies. That was homemade bread. You know, it was thick and it was, you know, had a lot of grain in it. The good and this, this lady came out from Sunbeam. I believe it was Sunbeam. Sunbeam. Yeah, and she came white. out and she was touting white bread. Well, my buddies and I had already tried white bread and it just dissolved in our mouths. You know, it was nothing to it. And we, right. wouldn't, we wouldn't eat it. But she was touting this sunbeam bread and she said, now this bread is enriched. And when she finished, I raised my hand. And this is the first time I can remember being in trouble in school, uh, Ted. I asked the lady, I said, if you take all the good stuff out of the bread, and leave only the bad stuff, why do you call it enriched? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the the teacher afterwards, God, this honest God, told me, do not embarrass these public speakers that come here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so and I was in kindergarten. <laughs> Hell, I'm just impressed that you can remember kindergarten at your age. Oh, yeah, I can remember kindergarten. Uh, of course, I went downhill from that point on because I remember yesterday, but I remember kindergarten. Yeah, I remember kindergarten. I remember that. I remember the lady was so nicely dressed and so enthusiastic and trying to sell us little kids on, on white bread. <laughs> well, what's your, uh, what's your thoughts on the doomsday clock that they're talking about? Oh, I don't know, but it's been doomsday. The only doomsday clock that I care about is the one from me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's ticking. It's ticking uh, right along, buddy. Uh, right. Hey, we're going to take a break here. We're talking with Ted Yoho. I'm checking the chat line to see if you got anything you want us to talk about. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. 
may God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Going to do the weather here. Compliments of Lewis Oil, one of our great supporters here. Um, well, we got severe weather marching across the uh, eastern part of the United States, and we may miss it, but it's got damaging winds, tornadoes, flash flooding, and it's, uh, uh, it's going to persist as it goes eastward. Plantation Mark, you're probably going to be right in the, in the bullseye of this. It's going to be, move uh, through southeastern Virginia from southeastern Virginia all the way to northern Florida, particularly the Panhandle. Uh, it may just avoid us, although we're under a wind advisory here. And uh, of course, this system has a significant amount of wind energy. It will turn to tap into the warm, moist air from the Gulf of Mexico, and it's going to add that moisture from the Atlantic Ocean. And it's going to then be pushed along by the jet stream, which is tens of thousands of feet above ground. Uh, this high-speed river of air will kick up the intensity of the thunderstorms. Wow, uh, that sounds like a witch's broth right there. And we have a map here. The line of thunderstorms will be severe. Uh, there also will be a cold front crossing Alabama, uh, the western Florida panhandle, western uh, uh, Georgia uh, this morning. And uh, this is what makes this stuff so turbulent is the collision of these weather patterns. Um, uh, the greatest threat for severe weather uh, will be uh, later today uh, in the southeast of the United States. And squalls will likely form an, an intense rain, flash flooding, strong wind gusts, and advance from west to east from the southern Appalachians to the I-85 corridor. Uh, this will bring intense rain, and this will both row through, of course, with a lot of thunder and lightning. So govern yourself accordingly. We have a significant map here. Uh, as I say, we may miss it. Uh, Jacksonville looks like they'll get part of it, certainly the panhandle, uh, all the way up to Louisville, over to Charlotte, uh, obviously Atlanta and Montgomery's really in the heavy area here about to have this collision. So uh, take care of yourself if you're in that area. Uh, we're back here live with Ted Yoho, and Ted sent me at the break uh, what the House Freedom Caucus uh, uh, really asked the speaker to uh, recognize and adhere to if they were going to actually relinquish their uh, resistance to him, which uh, Ted and I think was probably a very good thing to do, uh, to bring the speaker into, uh, into a con a conformity with some people who really represent some of the more truly conservative values and perhaps are less politically uh, uh, ambitious. Uh, I'd like to think that the Freedom Caucus is made up of people other than the type of people that Joe Biden has been, where he's just been a personal opportunist uh, exploiting his contacts for 50 something, you know, 50 years in the Senate. Uh, so, Ted, if you don't mind, what I'll do is I'll go through this checklist, sure. if this makes sense to you, and have your comment on them. Um, and um, we can discuss them. There's, there's um, a number here. So, we have a lot of things we can talk about with the, uh, the listeners here. So, the number one thing I see here on the list you sent is Southern Border Security Plan. I've been hearing that forever uh, and ever and ever. Um, I hear the Democrats say, oh, we've got one. You know, what's your take on this? I have my opinion, of course, but it's a no, joke. No, we had one with President Trump. If you look at what President Trump did, they built the wall. Our numbers of people coming across our border were the lowest in over a decade. And the pressure he put on Mexico to stop them at the border, uh, it was working. So we don't need to sit down and have a bunch of hearings and meetings on what we need to do on the border. Just do what you're supposed to do. Follow the law on the book and get and, and penalize those people that aren't doing it, i.e. the president, because I think it's Article 2, Section 3, 
says that president shall faithfully execute the laws of the land, period. If he doesn't, and there's enough of them, he needs to be removed from office. And I know somebody's got a uh, impeachment resolution for him already and the uh, Mayorkas. And it's interesting because you're seeing the Democrats turn on Biden and they're going to make it where he can't run, which is scary because we surely don't want Kamala Harris. But I think you'll see a Gavin Newsom pop up. So we've got a plan. They just need to enact it. Well, and that enacting part is always problematic because we really don't have all the uh, chits to pull it off, do we? No, I mean, it's kind of like the rhetoric and the, the uh, talking points they had about their first, one of their first votes was they fired 86 or 87,000 IRS agents. Yeah, they passed it in the House. You know, it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. And if it did, Biden wouldn't sign it. So the Republicans can talk about how, you know, and act really tough of what they did. And Kevin McCarthy will say, well, we do these things so that you know that when we do get in power and we have the majority, this is what we'll do. I've heard that dance and song before. Um, and so with what they're going to pass, if they pass anything, say they want to cut funding for shelters or uh, for certain things that are tied to the migrants coming, the illegals coming over here, they can pass it in the House. It's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. Second thing on the uh, list here is a federal budget that stops any, quote, blank check, unquote, debt ceiling increases. Boy, I'm telling you, that whole discussion, we could probably spend a little time on right now, debt ceiling. We've talked about it before, but um, hopefully they'll get something. But you know, how are you going to stop the Democrat? My question, my, how are you going to stop the Democrat from spending money he doesn't have? It's not just the Democrats, it's the Republicans, too. And this is going to be interesting to, to watch because, again, it's the rhetoric they're talking about. Um, you're going to hear Kevin McCarthy said, well, we've already spent this money. We've got to pay our bills. We can't default on it. And I agree with that. Um, and they're not going to default. If you don't raise the debt ceiling, it does not trigger a default. And um, you hear Janet Yellen talking about we have extraordinary measures. And what they're going to do is they're going to take money out of funding increases in retirement plans or putting, you know, the money into retirement plans. And it's a temporary measure. It's kind of like when the government shut down and people didn't get paid. They didn't get paid for a week or two, but then they did get paid. And, you know, it's the gimmick um, Ron DeSantis put in when we were freshmen. No budget, no pay. You know, everybody voted for it, but they knew it would never happen. And, uh, you know, I just hope this time they really make a significant difference for the trajectory of our spending because you can't fix $32 trillion in debt. You can't fix that overnight. You can fix it by incremental changes and reforming these programs. Next on the list is an end to all federal COVID mandates. This will be interesting. Um, again, uh, I, I read that and I'm like, well, again, they have to pass something that has to pass both chambers, has to be signed into law. Um, I think Biden will, will allow for some of that to happen. Um, but, you know, this is their holy, one of their holy grails that, oh, the government's protecting you from COVID. So we have to have these mandates. And they're talking about bringing mandates back. It'll be interesting to see what they come up. And, and then after they pass it in the House, is the Senate going to pick it up? And if so, is it going to really change these mandates and get away from the mandates. Um, the biggest one I think is in the military, they're still mandated on so many of these things that they're trying to get rid of. So let's hope that happens. It'll be good for the economy. It'll be good for society. The establishment of a select committee. I believe this is the one um, maybe Kat Kamek is on. Right. To investigate the weaponization of government agencies against the American people. I, you know, I suppose the first one would be the IRS. <clears throat> Or the, FBI or the Department of Justice. Take your pick. Yeah, there's not a shortage of them. But again, the establishment of a select committee. Now, what do committees do? They have hearings to investigate weaponization. Well, we know that's already going on. In fact, if you go back to um, uh, 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 Lois Lerner back in 2012, 2013, when they were going after conservative organizations, and that's when the Tea Party creeped up, actually it was 
2009, 2010, when they were doing all those investigations, preventing conservative organizations from getting uh, the 5013 status um, as a nonprofit. They were preventing those, but they're letting liberal progressive ones go right through. So it's been weaponized for a long time. The point is that was 2009, 2010. They investigated that. They had it where, and then she left office, you know, um, and they put Bob Koskinen in there. And that's the one where Jim Jordan and I, we, he, he had him on an impeachment resolution that I signed, but he, he pulled that because Paul Ryan asked him to pull that. Uh, and the trade-off was if he pulled the impeachment resolution, which Paul Ryan didn't want to have the fight on the House floor because it would look bad for the party. So Jim pulls that resolution, and the trade-off was he got to do more oversight hearings, and he never got impeached. So it's, it's good that they, they're having this, but again, if they don't carry through, it's a waste of our time. So again, that's something we need to keep that out there in front of the people on your show so that they can say, well, what are you guys doing on this? You, you put this in there. What are you doing on it? Vote on term limits. I'm very skeptical about that. Um, that uh, unless you, uh, they follow your lead, you term limit yourself. But I don't see a Joe Biden or uh, any of these guys term limiting themselves. Yeah, that's like taking uh, a government government program away from somebody. This is going to be interesting because you think of every conservative politician. I don't think the Democrats do this so much. But they all say, oh, we support term limits. And this is what they always say. I support term limits. And if a resolution or a bill comes up that limits the Senate from two term to two terms, which is 12 years, and the House to six terms, which is 12 years, I'll support that resolution. They've said that for, I mean, before I got into Congress, but nobody ever brings that up. And if it does come up, the speaker will not bring it up for a vote. So now they've got Kevin McCarthy saying he's going to bring it up. Freedom Caucus members, there's there, there's probably about a third of those that are very squishy, that really not Freedom Caucus. Uh, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see these people bring this up and how many people vote for it. And when it does come up, if it does come up for a vote, and if every Republican does not support this, you need to throw their rear ends out. I mean, I'm, I'm just hardcore on that. I don't need somebody up there as a lifer, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch this one. This is one that's got teeth that we, the voters, can say, you know, you, you got on that and you didn't support that bill. You said you're for term limits that came up and you didn't co-sponsor. How come? So we need to put a double check by the ones we really need to keep an eye on, don't we? Yeah. Um, securing three seats for conservatives on the powerful rules committee to help ensure bills cannot be jammed through without debate or amendments. Has that got a chance? No, that's something that needs to happen because again, that committee was stacked with the speaker's chosen few. And those are the ones that were gonna support the speaker's agenda, which there's some merit in that. But if you had somebody that was willing to challenge some of these bills, uh, like the spending bills that increase our spending and our deficit, they wouldn't put those people on there because they know they're going to be a little bit of a wrench in the, in the gears that slow things down. But that's where debate really needs to happen. And the Rules Committee is really a, a very important uh, and it's a powerful uh, committee because it determines <clears throat> what bills come up if they're germane, meaning uh, is, are the amendments that they put into a bill, are they germane, meaning are they in alignment with the underlying process of the bill? Or the wording of the bill. And so it's, it's good to see that. And I'm, I'm curious because that will make for better legislation, I'm convinced, if they do it properly. They've got a two-year window to do this. So um, before the next election, and if they maintain the uh, majority in the House, this will be a good thing to carry on to the next Congress. You know, 72 hours to read bills, I still don't think that's enough. My golly, you know, um, I've done a lot of reading in my, in my world and, uh, uh, 72 hours. Some of those bills are longer than war and peace. 
and I could not read War and Peace by Tolstoy in 72 hours. So, um, and the reason those Russians wrote those big novels, I think, is because they had a big winter and they didn't have anything to do. So they had, they had a lot of reading. These guys didn't shorten their work. You know, right. I'm serious. In Moscow, where Chekhov and these guys wrote, like, and they were excellent artists, don't get me wrong. Uh, they wrote stuff to last for a while because nobody was going outside to play much, you know? Yeah, and, they uh, had internet. So but, I don't uh, know what they're doing with these bills. They're, they're ridiculous to me because they cram all sorts of stuff in them. Well, and again, it's, it's, this to me is kind of a joke because the 72-hour, um, 72 hours to read a bill was there before I got into Congress. And I got in in 2013 is when I got sworn in. And it was never followed. And I challenged uh, McCarthy and Boehner on this. I says, can we, can we have the 72-hour bill uh, or rule that allows us 72 hours to read a bill? This is what Kevin told me. He goes, Ted, he goes, well, we can't really stick to that. He goes, think about this. If a bill comes out on a Thursday and you're supposed to have 72 hours, you've got Thursday and Friday. We're not here on the weekends. So we couldn't vote on it till Monday or Tuesday. And I'm like, what's the problem with that? He goes, it would just slow things down. And I'm like, are you serious? So what they'll do is if they bring the bill out at 11.59 p.m. on Tuesday, when it clicks Monday or the next day on Wednesday, that's one day. They'll count that as, as a 24-hour period, that one minute. And then you got you could vote on it as early as um, uh, 12.01 a.m. on Friday. So they're saying from midnight on Wednesday to midnight on Thursday, you know, if it's a minute over that into Friday, that's a 72-hour window, which is just a joke. And that's what they've done in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how this works. Single subject bills. Um, good luck. Because <laughs> they, they, right? I mean, they cram stuff in there that... Huh? Come on. You know they do. So let's talk about that. <laughs> oh, you'll have some single subject bills like for renaming um, uh, a post office in the honor of a fallen hero, you know, a veteran or a first responder or somebody like that. And those will be single item bills. So they'll say, oh, we, we adhered to it. But the important ones, not that those those are very important bills. Um, the big ones will be September 30th when they have to fund the government. You know, we just saw that with the omnibus bill they passed that nobody read. And see, now Kevin is on record that we're going to have the 72-hour read the bill. And we had read the bill acts. I mean, there's so many things that they do um, that just sound good in, as, as a news thing or a, a headline, but they don't adhere to it. So uh, where this is really going to play out is when they have these big spending bills. Well... Good. I, I, I'll play the devil's advocate here. I think this is a good list, but actually getting it done. Um, is there anything on here that can really get done? I'm looking at the last one we got, restoring accountability for the Speaker of the House. Um, I guess they can do that because they told him uh, they put a rule in, didn't they? That uh, Talk about that one. Well, if they restored accountability to the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy wouldn't be the Speaker of the House. <laughs> no, I'm serious about that. For things I know that I'm not going to go public on that, but it has been made public. Um, again, you'll hear Washington speak, politicians speak. We want to bring transparency and accountability to the government. Sure, everybody wants that. But what are you doing to do it? You know, you start with yourself being accountable being transparent. And, um, you know, George Santos is not a, a, an accountable person, um, you know, and so what we'll have to do, um, you know, let's hope they serve with honor, with dignity, with character and integrity, the Speaker of the House, and they represent what it means to be a, a constitutional republic, you know, to be that example, not just to our nation, but to other nations around but I think more importantly to that next generation that's looking at our leaders of this country and they want to say, I want to be like that person. I want to be, you know, that kind of person that leads and does these right things for the right reasons. 
Um, that's what I liked about the old cowboy movies. And, and it's interesting because I see more cowboy movies coming up on, on the different networks. And it was, they did the right thing for the right reason. The guys uh-huh. that were white hats anyway. Well, yeah, I was a Lone Ranger fan. You know, uh, um, I, I used to watch, first of all, I read the Lone Ranger comic books. And then uh, I listened to Lone Ranger on the radio. I'll tell you another little secret story. Oh, silver. I won. Uh, the Lone Ranger contest, uh, <laughs> national contest. When I say one, it came in. Really? Yeah, I came in second, Ted, and wow. um, in the nation. And it was telling 25, 25 words or less why you like Cheerios. Well, my dog. I just had Cheerios I, this morning. Yeah, I did too. And and, and I didn't eat Cheerios. My dog Tippy would look at me, so I give him a bowl too. That's right. I just did mine with Jaeger. Yeah, so I wrote a little jingle with my mom helped me. And I said, I like Cheerios because my dog Tippy likes Cheerios and I love my dog Tippy. And uh, <laughs> I'll be darned, you know, when I was 10 years old. That's pretty dang good. Yeah, I was 10 years old. And, and there was a, a, a brown envelope that came with return General Mills address. And I ran to my mom and said, look, 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 it's from uh, Cheerios people. And opened it up and I had won second prize. And not first, the first prize kid. I was so jealous, got to be an actual Lone Ranger uh, TV show, you know? Really? Wow. Yeah, the first prize kid. Uh, the second prize kid, yours truly got a complete Lone Ranger outfit, which is... by, the time, by the time it arrived, Ted, I'd outgrown it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty dang funny. Yeah, it's really funny, but it was the first writing contest um, that I ever got involved with. And, you know, back then they had telling 25 words or less why and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I was... Uh, Big fan of Lone Ranger, but uh, uh, it, it was a, it was just one of those things as a kid. That along with the uh, enriched bread experience, I guess. <laughs> Wonder bread, yeah. Wonder bread, yeah. If you, if you take all the good stuff out, why do you call it enriched? Don't ask those people those kind of questions again. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, this looks like that's the list. Um, and we can go back and check on these from time to time, I think. Uh, I'm going to put this list. Um, I'll clean it up a little bit and put it out on Ward's hot bulletin board so people can see it. And uh, we'll, we'll have it always there to consult. Um, of course, this is an email to you, so I'll take out the uh, personal stuff and just put yeah. it in the list. Yeah. And Ward, if you do that, and if, you know, I know that one of your roles of your, your program is to educate, you know, the, your uh, constituency. And if we do that around the nation and people are in tune of what's here, that we can hold our elected representatives accountable because they're asking for accountability. And it's not just the speaker's house. It's the body politics that's in Washington. And by having stuff like this posted on your your station and others on your program, we can truly be we the people and hold these people accountable. And when you go to vote them out and they get angry and they want to know why you didn't support them, to say, well, I had a list of, that, of things that you agreed to do and you didn't do them. Um, and, um, you know, you wouldn't want me to hire somebody and have them work for me and, and not live up to what they said they were going to do, would you? And throw it right back at them and, and get them out of here. So th- this list is that that which, uh, to be clear, what we have here, and McCarthy agreed to, to, uh, to uh, shepherd through the discussions. Is that what we're looking at? Yeah. I mean, these are what he's agreed to. And then there's another organization I deal with, and they have a uh, um, the American um, oh, com- com- commitment to America, um, and it's po- something that they're passing around. They've got over 200,000 signatures uh, of citizens, and they're asking all members of the Freedom Caucus to sign this, and these are all constitutional principles, and they're going to publish who has signed it, who has not signed it. And this is something I think needs to go to all representatives, Republicans and Democrats and independents. And if they don't sign it, challenge them in their town hall meetings, whether it's a, 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 a virtual one or an in-person one, and say, why haven't you signed this? Um, I didn't sign the Grover Norquist pledge of no new taxes because I don't make pledges to people. I make pledges to my God and my country and my family. And, um, and I wasn't going to pledge to Grover Norquist. Um, you know, I'm going to have to make decisions on my own. And um, I took a lot of heat for that because I was brand new. But, you know, 
anyways, I, I just think we need to hold, have a way to hold these people accountable. Well, that's a good way to complete the show. We're right at 10 o'clock. Okay. Uh, we've been talking with Ted Yoho, who's uh, always gracious to tune in with us on Wednesdays. Uh, look forward to it. Uh, man of his word. He says he's going to do it. He does it, by golly. Uh, unless he forgets. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Great. Great, great talking week. to you. Uh, everybody watching the show, we're going to have it out on the wardscottfiles.com in a moment. And uh, it'll be out on the other um, places we put it also. So have a great day. Warthog Command Center out. See you later. See ya. Bye. Bye, Tank.